Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 390. This is part two of my episode with Chef Scott Crawford. Here it is. Remember, that reputation was built on always trying to do the right things for the right reasons. I'm not perfect. I've made lots of mistakes. In business, you're going to make mistakes. That's how we learn. But making the effort to do the right things for the right reasons is a, is a building block of your reputation in business. And so people knew me as that. And Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable who loves doing paperwork no one sorcery is an efficient online ap automated solution for the food service industry and restaurants large and small are using sorcery to provide a scalable solution to help them create efficiencies and ultimately grow their business while impacting their bottom line to learn more head to Get sorcery.com. That's G E T S O U R C E R Y.com. And be sure to mention Restaurant Unstoppable to get your first month free. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable, and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. With excitement, allow me to introduce or welcome back on the show uh, consecutively. This is the first time I've ever done this on the show. It's back-to-back episodes. Chef Scott Crawford. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today, my man? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yes. So uh, just on the show of uh, the last episode we published and we, we were just having such a great conversation and uh, we were, you know, if I if I had to let you continue to go and if we were to pull the same nuggets out and really pull back the layers, I felt like the episode would have gone like two and a half hours. So I figured I would <laughs> do the listeners a favor and split this one up into two. And I think what we're going to do today is just kind of pick up where we left off. And that situation was basically, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you were trying to get away from a situation where you had no control, where uh, you had investors, you, you kind of just took the money, right? And you really didn't find investors that were aligned with your vision, your values. And you, you and at this point of your life, you, you wanted to do something that made an impact on your community that really uh, was more than just the money. You, you wanted to start chasing the craft and the reasons why we should be getting into this industry in the first place. Uh, and now what we're going to do is kind of talk about how you made that pivot, how you got out of that situation that wasn't great, surrounding yourself with people who had the same values as you, who were investing in, in your vision, who gave you control of your business and the the, the list of things you mentioned that uh, you would do differently if you could do it all over again. So that's a mouthful. I hope you guys are able to stick with me through that. Um, so I guess let's bring it back to, oh, man, what's the first thing we should discuss? So uh, when you got out of your situation, this toxic situation at Standard Foods, uh, and you wanted to then 
find your own investors. Uh, you found your investors, I guess. What things did you start doing? Let's, let's discuss the how uh, of setting up this current business, Crawford and Son. Um, what things did you do differently knowing that you're going to do it right this time? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me back on. I think when you have people like us, two passionate people talking about something uh, that we're so passionate about, um, naturally, we're going to yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe go over. And so I appreciate you having me back on. Uh, oh, first of all, when we're talking about the how, uh, the most important thing to note here is that I had to recognize, first of all, recognize that it was a bad situation. I mean, sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes uh, you really have to dig deep and say, well, you know, this is, this is, this is toxic. I'm not the leader that I'm could be or should be, or usually am. I'm having a very difficult time um, leading people with integrity because I don't believe in what's happening. And so that recognition was the first step. The next step was to actually get out of that without actually having a plan. I had no plan. And I I think it's important to note that because I was, um, there's fear there, right? And fear is the deterrent from almost all great things in business. Mm -hmm. And people need to understand that, right? I was scared to leave a situation because uh, of the possibility of what might occur. You know, I have a family to support. Uh, what if I fail? What, you know, what if, and it's all things that haven't happened yet that we're scared of usually. Mm-hmm. How'd you overcome? So that fear? I'm sorry. How'd you overcome that fear? Well, through, you know, I have a support system of great friends, other entrepreneurs, people who said to me, uh, and one friend in particular who has a restaurant group, he said, you know, you have to trust the universe, there's another plan for you. And this is not it because it's just really, really toxic and it's actually changing who you are Mm -hmm. and that's not good. So close the door, you know, you need to close the door and then watch the doors fly open. And I, without believing that, without believing that a hundred percent, I just went ahead and did it. I really actually closed the door made a public statement and immediately doors started to fly open. And to kind of recap uh, earlier, you said that, that the reason why those doors flew open was because of your reputation uh, and always working on right. reputation, which is I think worth mentioning again. Well, and another thing to, to always Remember that reputation was built on always trying to do the right things for the right reasons. I'm not perfect. I've made lots of mistakes in business. You're going to make mistakes. That's how we learn. Mm -hmm. But making the effort to do the right things for the right reasons is is a building block of your reputation in business. And so people knew me as that. And so immediately wanted to invest in whatever it was I was planning on doing. Awesome. And so that was a wake up call for me to say, wow, you know, I need to, I definitely need to pay this forward. I need to uh, share this knowledge with people because I was really scared to do something. And then, you know, immediately these doors flew open, just like, you know, my friend said they would. 
And so then it's like, all right, let's get to work, you know, great. Well, the universe is working in my favor now. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? Yeah, and it that was to, favor, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, okay, let's sit down and let's talk about what, what I learned from this situation and what I really want to do and what's really best for me uh, and how I can impact my community. And that was for me to have a restaurant that can be an expression of all of the things that have formed me and my cooking style and the person, the chef that I am, the family man. I want to make an expression of that for my community, feed them well and make people happy. And so there were, you know, there came this list and when I got sat down with my team and, and some of my, some of these potential investors, there was this list of things that we just would not do again. Right. Number one, keep it simple. Don't get overcomplicated with your concepts. Don't uh, do things that are maybe <clears throat> not your expertise, right? Do what you're really, really good at. Number two, don't spend too much money, especially on the build out, especially if you're leasing it and you're not buying the real estate. If you're leasing the building, and you're building out someone else's real estate, don't spend too much. Second generation restaurant, grease traps, hoods, things that are already in place that can save you tens of thousands of dollars. Um, third, invest in your people, the team. Those are the people that are going to make this dream happen. Invest in them. And however that is, whether it's money, time, education, uh, taking care of them with regards to a wellness program or in health insurance, whatever it is that you can do, that's, that's the best investment. It's a better investment than fancy uh, finishes in your restaurant, honestly, in my opinion. So those are the things that we went through on the list. We can get a little bit deeper into that as, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, with regards to, well, what, what, you know, what do you spend money on when you're building out a restaurant? But, you know, let's go back to the investors. And we made this list. We created our principles and values for what we wanted to do. The concept was very simple. It was neighborhood. We wanted to create a neighborhood restaurant where we could see people often um, and keep it simple and make sure that what we were cooking was coming from the heart. So it was truly something that if we did exactly what we said we were going to do, people would feel it and it wouldn't be forced. It would be a true expression and something that our community could really get behind. So I just want to make sure we're on the same so, page right now. So you listed, you listed the, 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 you know, the things on your list, which were keep it simple. Don't spend too much money, invest in your people. So right now we're going back to that first thing and keeping it simple. You're saying, uh, know your values, be clear about your values. Am, am I right? Am I on track with you right now? Or we, That's right. Okay. Yeah. So what were those principles? Can you list your principles right now? Your, your values? Well, the values really, I, I talked about, um, doing the right things for the right reasons, um, operating with a level of integrity, uh, investing in your people, taking care of people in your industry and people that work with you and really believing in that your impact, that your true intention is impacting your community, not just opening opening 
a restaurant to make money. Yes, we want to be profitable. We're going to have to be profitable to pay our investors and pay our people. But it's secondary to what you really want to do, and that is to impact, make an impact how on the you, community how that you, you live in. How did you want to make that impact, though? How were you hoping to change your community? How did you want to leave them better aside from nourishing them and giving them a place together? Well, you know, it's every night people come in. Last night I had a woman, I, I went to the table and I knew she'd been in a couple times and I thanked her for coming. And she said, you know, I drive from Wake Forest. That's, that's you know, 20 some miles away. You know, it's a 40 minute drive from where she lives. And she has lots of restaurants around her. She drove to our restaurant because it's special to her. She loves the food and it reminds her of a restaurant that she used to go to in Boston. And it's so, you know, it's not just about making food for people to nourish them. It's about making them feel like giving them some ownership of what you, what you've created. Mm. It's it's their place Mm. in their community. And they believed in me and they're supporting me and my team, but it's they, it's their place. When people come in town from another city, they want to bring them to, you know, their place. Mm -hmm. Crawford and Son is their place where, uh, you know, the food is a little different. There's a little bit more love put into it. There's, you know, this, this vibe, this energy, um, that's warm that that the staff genuinely wants people there and, and wants them to be happy. And that all sounds very simple, right? But it's, it's easier said than done, especially day in and yeah. day out. You know, absolutely. Every single day when you're having a bad day, you still have to make sure that you're creating that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many things that can disrupt that energy and turn it into, you know, something different. So, so let's the, let's talk the idea on, that. Sorry, am, am, am I taking you off course? Uh, I, I was, no, no, no. You said there's things that will disrupt that energy, and I think it's it's worth talking about because yeah, like you got to show up every day with that same intent as you had on day one, and you you got to deliver that energy. So, what things will disrupt that energy, and what can you do to protect yourself from these things? Uh, well, lots of things can disrupt that energy. Mostly negativity, right? Negativity. Uh, takes many forms and, you know, we wake up every day, we come into the restaurant, we work really, really hard and people give their lives, you know, I mean, you know, give up their, people give up their, um, personal lives to, to create this, uh, experience for other people. And then, you know, someone uh, can walk in and just really uh, put out some negative energy that can throw that off. And, you know, for example, we had a, a, a critic once who who uh, wrote about the way one of my servers looked, you know, um, and dressed and, and his tattoos and his watch and, you know, sort of criticized him for this look that he had. And uh, I took issue with that. I felt like it was writing negativity for the sake of writing negativity. Um, he was an excellent server who truly cared. And I think it was just for the sake of negativity. And is this the server you, or the, uh, the critic who didn't, that came back and you didn't allow or you didn't serve? 
Yeah. Okay. That's so, right. Okay. I, I was hoping to get here eventually. Um, so let's let's come back to this because I, I, I want to ask one more question to keep it flowing simply. Uh, we were talking about keeping sure. it simple. We're still there to keeping it simple, uh, knowing your values, holding true to your values. And we're just talking about positive energy, the importance of positive energy and how negative energy you just need to put, you, you, need, you need to not let it happen. And this, this uh, critic was an example of negative energy. Uh, you didn't let them in. Um, but, I guess the, the, the short lesson could be anything though. Yeah. Anything that's negative. Don't let it happen. Yeah. I mean, you have to roll with it, you know, and still maintain this, this energy. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of restaurateurs don't get that. Don't get that energy part. They don't get that, uh, that depth. They just performing a service and cooking some food. And, and, you know, the energy part is, in my opinion, very important. Awesome. Actually, no, let's dive into it. You might as well just dive into it. So this, this critic, okay. They come in, uh, they, when was it where she wrote this review? Was that at Crawford and son or at a previous? Uh, no, it was, it, it was at a previous restaurant. It was at standard foods. Okay. So that's how um, you had the first initial experience with this. Uh, you guys can Google search, uh, chef Crawford, uh, uh, I guess food critic. And you'll see this article, uh, so there was another experience where you saw this person come in and you knew that there was potential negative energy walking through the door with a, just an unnecessary, hurtful, negative review that's uncalled for. Take us through that. Well, look, I think people, people who don't know me thought, oh, wow, well, he has an issue with food critics or being criticized. I mean, I have a 25-year career. I've been written about by John Mariani, John Kessler, you know, some notoriously, even Michael Bauer in San Francisco, notoriously tough food critics and never had an issue with any of them, whether they liked me or not. Some loved me, some didn't. Uh, John Mariani once sat in my dining room uh, the next morning for breakfast and told me everything I did wrong the previous night. And I had such a respect for him that I sat and listened carefully and I made a lot of notes and I learned a lot from it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, John Mariani has integrity in his writing and integrity in what it is that he's trying to do. And what I felt was there was a lack of integrity. What I felt was that there was a, you know, too often now what gets clicks, uh, negativity, right. Bashing someone or, uh, making these statements that are, you know, sort of inflammatory or, or whatever. And, and one of them was directed at a uh, a server of mine. Now, some people argued that it was just to describe the ambiance. I didn't take it that way, nor did he. Um, it was unnecessary, and it was just dull, and it was lack of integrity. No class. Further. Frank. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Further, um, then there was a, another article later written about Standard Foods after my departure, and they were negative things written that I felt lacked integrity. They were very much gossipy and uh, had no factual basis and, and, you know, really were just, again, lacked integrity. So my issue was the the lack of integrity and the, um, the uh, negativity. 
And, you know, frankly, I just don't need it. I don't need her review. Uh, the restaurant didn't need the, you know, the review. Um, people who wanted to learn about the restaurant had plenty of reviews they could read online. There's plenty of information about us out there or just come dine. You know, there's plenty of opportunity for the consumer. So this wasn't a jab at the consumer. It was just a very honest, uh, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to choose not to be reviewed by you tonight. And frankly, you know, we had uh, a wait list that night for people in the neighborhood who wanted to dine, who couldn't dine. I'd rather give them the table. Yep. Someone who really wants to come and dine and have a good time and not come and just write things to be negative so they can get clicks by attaching, you know, their article to my name and, and writing a bunch of negative stuff. So I just, I had enough. And I said, hey, thanks, but no thanks. And so it turned into a Twitter, you know, shit show and all <laughs> sorts of things occurred that, you know, in the days following. But, you know, my staff thanked me. And that was the, probably the most important thing that could have happened to me after I kind of made that stand. Yeah. My staff said, hey, you know, we appreciate that. We appreciate that we mean more to you than, you know, some critic or some review and they do period they do so man uh, well thank you uh, let me thank you on behalf of the rest of the industry for just putting your foot down and uh just choosing not to deal with it choosing not to let that into your space that negativity into your space and we all have that choice we all have that option to to take the higher road and to not let uh, just media hungry people uh, just twist things for their gain. And uh, thank you for, for well, and that gracefully. be ready. They will publicly try to shame you. They will publicly try to hurt your business. Uh, they took the conversation public. I did not. I sent a letter to the editor um, via email explaining my reason for my decision. And then once they took it public, I, I, published that letter publicly so everyone would know the answer to the question they asked which was and you know her rebuttal her what she wrote was just was i thought just solidified everything that i was saying about her she was now took the role of a victim and she's a victim and you know <laughs> yeah. you can go around criticizing and, and bashing people but as soon as someone says hey you know what i've had enough of you now you're a victim so I think we've all had enough of that too. And, yeah. and so, you know, be ready for, you know, what they do attempt to do. It, it, it's, they failed miserably at it because in the five nights following the social media war, well, I wasn't involved in it, just other people. Um, we had a rec we had five record nights in a row oh, at the restaurant. <laughs> That's great. So, I didn't expect that, didn't do it for that, but we had, a, you know, basically a line at the door every, but people, some people just came out to support me and say, you know what, I'm, I want to eat here now because you have principles beyond fear or money or whatever. And there's so little of that today that, uh, that I just couldn't believe the outpour from the community and from other chefs. Without, I can't give you any names, but I mean, really, really high profile people reaching out to me from all around the country saying, thank you. Good for that. Good for you. 
man. You know, I, I think, and just the, to take this another level deeper, uh, to really take a lesson away from this, aside from just having that integrity, but really to go through the motions of committing to your core values and living them every day. And what's going to happen uh, when you when you're faced with decisions like this of what should I do? You can lean on those values. You can say what what do my values say? Look at your core values and does this align with my core values? Does this support my core values? And if it doesn't, then your decision's made. You can make that decision in the moment. No, thank you. This is not. This is this does not align with our integrity for you. That was the value of integrity. Like the integrity Absolutely. of my employees is way more important than any. Uh, you know, food article that could be ever be written, and look what happened because of it. It's just a, it's such a great yeah. lesson of following and living your values. I love it, and write them I, down. I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. Write them down, awesome. document them, live yep. them. Yep. Believe and have principles and values beyond fear and money, fear or money. But hopefully, that'll work out for you financially. It has for me. But you know, listen, I want to emphasize that I do not have a problem with food media. Have worked with these people for my entire career. I have a problem when there's a lack of integrity. And let me tell you, I would have that problem with a cook who has a lack of integrity. A anybody that I come into contact with that I'm working with that lacks integrity, I'm going to have an issue with it. And so it was. It's not. A, it's not an issue with food critics, food writers. I want to emphasize that. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are food critics, food writers. I have, but you know, what other stand can you make? I mean, what else are you going to say? How else are you going to show that you have these values that you, you know, stand up for your <laughs> industry and your people? Um, what else can you do but say thanks but no thanks? Mm-hmm. And the interaction was not nasty. I don't. I don't think you should be. You know, these people do have a job to do. But uh, my my message was, we don't want the we don't need the negativity in in this space. Yeah, no, I commend you. And with uh, 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 you know, projected on onto my people. You couldn't have handled it better. And I don't think we need to dwell on this anymore. Uh, we're still in this for the first bullet of keeping it simple. Uh, uh, so to kind of come back to the surface of that topic topic of keeping it simple, the first thing you mentioned is don't overcomplicate and, and do what you do or do what you're good at. So uh, what did you know you were good at? I just want to touch on that real quick before I move to the, to, to the next bullet. So what did you know you were good at? What did you focus on? So I was, I really have come full circle with the food that I love to cook now. You know, I trained in Northern California um, early in my career and just a, the short time that I lived there, I was so, um, impressed by the simplicity of the food, but, but how much flavor you can build from that. And so we, we knew that we were good at layering flavors, um, but staying simple in, in other words, not, not being technique forward. You know, there's the, our food is technically sound, but it sort of takes a back burner, no pun intended, for to the product itself. And so we knew that we were good at really showcasing seasonal products here in North Carolina, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get that across in our food, yeah. and it's really that simple. I think that's just a great lesson of just finding your niche, finding your passion, leaning into it once you find it and becoming the best at it, and just focusing on that one thing. Do few things really well. 
uh, better than yeah. everybody else or one thing even better than everybody else. Uh, and you will have more success in my opinion. That's, that's the trend I've seen interviewing all these people. Uh, and I mean, it sounds like that's what worked for you too. So, uh, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor and then we'll be right back. Nobody likes doing paperwork. If you have a growing group of restaurants and find yourself wishing you could snap your fingers and have all of your invoices and AP instantly disappear from your plate, then you need to call Sorcery. Sorcery is used to make owning and operating a restaurant a breeze. Instead of dreading invoices, you'll be delighted to be synced with every vendor. With your new relationships, you can work on negotiating the best price to improve your margins. And Sorcery's biggest superpower is that they watch the prices you pay across the kitchen from dry goods to proteins to produce. And when citrus skyrockets, you'll know to update your recipes before you end up kicking yourself at the end of the quarter. To learn more, head over to www.getsorcery.com or find the banner in the show notes. If you mention Restaurant Unstoppable at checkout, you'll get your first month free. Yep. To be unstoppable, most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment, or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company twice in a row. Check out Cabbage with a K.com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. We're back and uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. And that's uh, we just wrapped up. Keep it simple, which is the first lesson that you wrote down. The first thing that you would do differently if you open another restaurant. The second thing was don't spend too much money. So how did you protect yourself and not getting too too far into the hole? How did you prioritize where the money went? Well, prioritizing by finding the right space. So much for me is dictated by the space. It could be different for others, but the space where we're going to set up shop, make a restaurant. Um, we knew we wanted to be neighborhood. We wanted to be sort of on the fringe of this downtown area in one of the neighborhoods. So, you know, we began our search for spaces in those areas. And one of the things that we needed to do uh, was find a space that perhaps was second generation. Maybe it was a restaurant before or something before. And so we found one that was a bakery and a lunch spot that um, the owner had decided to move on to something else. And so it had good bones. They were just great, great bones. So my friend who also happens to be my architect uh, walked the space with me. And I think the next thing you have to do is sort of imagine and see it. You have to be able to see it. 
And then you have to go to paper with the numbers and see, you know, get some estimates and see what, uh, if, if in fact that space, um, is going to pencil out for you, whatever your budget is for the build out. Uh, but I just recommend, you know, I see too many young people and I've been victim of this before too. You, it's just too easy to spend money these days on all sorts of things. Um, especially when you're designing and building a restaurant, it's just, it, it's too easy to get carried away. Mm. And so, so you do, you get, and, and then, you, you know, uh, it, it, it turns into a pressure cooker later when you're trying to operate. So what and actionable you have that things, kind of debt service. What kind of actionable things can we do to prevent ourselves from getting carried away? Well, each time you want something, you know, you really have to ask the question if you need it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really have to ask and you have to um, make a list of things you actually need and, and things you actually, you know, you want. And then if, if you get all the things you need and you have some money for things you want, then make sure those things you want are things that are, are going to make the guest experience better mm-hmm. in some way. And not just, you know, we sometimes do things for our egos, right? And you really have to check your ego if you're trying to save money. <laughs> yeah. And I think another thing to consider, too, I think uh, we have this grand vision of what we want uh, our restaurant to be. And I think people forget that you don't have to get that vision of perfection right away. Like you can just start where you can and always work towards sure. it. And don't, because you will get yourself in trouble if you try to get that right away. If you don't have the cash flow, if you don't have the capital coming in uh, to su- support it, then you're, you're not going to have it for long. So, <laughs> yeah, you can run into trouble. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what about size? Uh, when you're thinking about uh, don't spend too much money, were you really trying to, was there, is there a right size to start? Like a, uh, like well, the volume? That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Uh, everything is by the foot, right? Rent is by the foot. Your build out is typically by the foot. Everything costs by the foot. So absolutely, you know, the, the square footage of the space is, is key. Also, if you're talking about a neighborhood restaurant, you want it to be full, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to have a place that's only half full on Tuesday and fill it up on the weekends, but Tuesday it never really feels full. That's not good energy. Mm-hmm. It should be full. In my, well, for my concept. And so we don't want to go too big. We so want to make sure that we can fill it up every night. What wasn't too big? Well, for us, it, it just happened to be this space. There are nights when we wish we had more space, trust me. But we have about uh, 2,500 square feet. We got about just under 70 seats and we fill it up every night. And sometimes we fill it up two or three times. Yeah. And so it feels great on a Tuesday. There's a, there, you know, it's buzzing. There's people in there and there's laughter and great music and great energy. Um, now on Fridays and Saturdays, we usually wish we had a restaurant two, maybe three times the size of what we have, but you know, yep. that, uh, that, you know, then on Tuesday night we wouldn't uh, have it. It may, might not be full. Right. So we wanted to make sure that we could, create that energy and have it be full every night. Yeah. And I think just the the, impact has been a big word during our conversation. And I think people, it's important that you, you realize that you size 
doesn't determine the impact you make. You know, it, it's right. in smaller things. Think of the, 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 the tip of a pin, right? You can make a deep impact right. with a pin and it's not a very big thing, but it's sharp. And if you have the right energy behind it, you know, you can go deep. And it, I think that's what makes that's right. the impact is the, the attention going little, you know, the, the attention to detail being precise and then the energy you put behind it. And if you can have a space where you can feel that energy, you can have such a bigger impact than, you know, a 200 or 300 seat restaurant because I mean, I agree. So, you know, focus on impact on, on, on those relationships and really changing people, transforming relationships. Um, right. And then maybe then, you know, maybe we do a larger one next time. We'll see, you know, it just depends, but yeah, we love the, the, the size of the place and we love the energy that, that people fill it with every night. And so, yeah, not too big. Now, if we had gone bigger also, then we would spend more on the build out. Mm-hmm. Any other- uh, also need Go more ahead. staff, you know? Yep. So, yep. All those ahead. things, they increase the, the overhead. Absolutely. So on the, the topic yep. of spending too much money, anything else warranted uh, mentioning right now? Yeah, I think it's easy you know, I've built some, I built a million dollar kitchen once for a hotel and I got to cook in it for three years and it was amazing. Um, forget that shit. (laughs) Okay. You gotta, you, you know, if you, if it's your money and you're paying it back, try to try use equipment Mm -hmm. and, you know, get the thing, get the restaurant open. You have some revenue, things are cranking. Then maybe next year you buy a new piece of equipment or you lease a new piece of equipment, but try Restaurant equipment, it's nice to have a warranty and get a nice new shiny thing. But if you buy a good brand, those things can run for years and you can literally get them pennies on the dollar used. I tell chefs all the time. What brand? Most buy, imp- try used. What brand most impressed you? I'm just curious. Well, you know, Wolf. I've had good luck with Wolf and everyone has their brands that they've had good luck with. And, and I think there might be some luck there. Uh, Wolf and Vulcan have both been very good to me with regards to the main horsepower um, with ovens and ranges. And then refrigeration, you know, Continental's been my go-to. And they're very expensive new, I'll tell you that. But you can pick them up used. Or there's a website that's all scratch and dent, and there's commercial equipment on there. I got a Continental brand new. Didn't have a warranty because there was a scratch in it. But I got a half price. Wait, you said there was a website? What's is it called Scratch and Dent? That's the name of the website? I think that it, it's Scratch and Dent, yeah. All right, cool. I'll have now, that. they don't always have commercial equipment, but they often do. You have to just keep an eye out. Okay. They have all sorts of different things. I'll keep a link to that in the show notes. And Wolf and Vulcan, if you guys are listening, I'm looking for sponsors. Just saying. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, is there anything else you want to discuss on the topic of uh, spending too much money before you move on to that third bullet you shared with us, shared with us, with, which is on uh, just people, which I'm really excited about that. Last thing, time. The amount of time that it takes to complete a build out. Make sure that you take that into consideration. Okay. Hire a general contractor who has a reputation for finishing on time. Mm-hmm. If you don't finish on time, it's just you will yeah. bleed money. That's, Every week that you're not open, you will bleed money. That's a great point, too. I think a lot of people in their uh, attempt to uh, be good with money choose to, to pinch pennies on uh, who they hire to do the build. Yes. And, you know, if 
if you're not paying top dollar, if they're, if it's too good to be true, the cost is probably a reason why, and you will make up for that in other places. So don't be afraid to spend the money on getting the right people to build out your restaurant because those, those details, the people that know what they're doing, they, they will save you the money in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, awesome. So that's key. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Let's move on to this third bullet, which is invest in your people, the, the thing you would do differently. So what are the best ways uh, to invest in your people? Okay. So first of all, pay them as much as you can. If you slightly overpay people, you will create loyalty. Now, if you can't, you can't. It's not always about paying them with money either. It could be paying them with your time, your mentorship, your uh, investment in them. So it's not always about paying them money, but often it is. Um, pay them as much as you can, obviously. Next, empower them, right? They need to be empowered. If you're hiring people that, that you believe in, then you need to let them know you believe in them and empower them to the job that you hired them to do and learn for them uh, whilst to have that empowerment. I think more people crushed by the lack of empowerment, they will leave a great paying job because they are under someone's thumb. And you, you really can't do that. And sometimes it's hard as a chef, especially hard. So how do you empower people? How do you go about doing that? Well, you have to prove to them that you trust them. Uh, and you have to work at that. And you work at that through... Uh, however your relationship works, for instance, uh, collaboration, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, a, uh, is key. there's a great book out there called, uh, a slice of the pie, uh, written by Nick Cirillo from Nick's pizza. And he developed this system called trust and track. And I think that is a great way of empowering is, uh, basically you provide the framework that the process is right. And you trust them to do the job. You've, you've given them the tools and then you just back off and you put systems in place to track what they're doing it right. Uh, I think exactly. I, I don't know if you, that's how you approach it um, or not. Absolutely. That's a great approach. The, for me, the systems that are in place are really have a lot to do with me being present though, mm-hmm. and guiding without, without dictating, just guiding. Right. Um, so you allow their idea to, uh, blossom uh, but if it it goes in the wrong direction you're there to sort of guide it in the right direction but it's still their idea and now it's a collaboration a, a little bit of a collaboration and that builds a stronger relationship all right so up to this point in this on this third bullet uh invest in your people with money or other assets and money isn't always the best asset knowledge mentorship uh just your time in general investing your energy into these people in their ability to do the job well is another form of payment and um just trusting them uh you know is another part of it too what about uh, what you do in regard to uh health in uh that regard uh, of really sure. investing in your people this is very important to me because my health was uh, very negatively impacted in, at one point in my career. I literally worked myself almost to death. Um, my body attacked itself at one point and my pancreas uh, no longer worked. And so I was hospitalized a couple of times in one year, but finally 
in intensive care and, you know, then later diagnosed with adult onset type 1 diabetes because uh, I got sick and my body, my immune system attacked my pancreas. Okay. And so, you know, that's an, maybe for another day, but my <laughs> If you want to come back on another day and another, another day, I'm all for it, but uh, sorry, keep Look, going. that Look, <laughs> that also had to do with, that had to do with alcoholism and addiction as well. And, and so some of the things that I do now, um, I've had some neck issues for, from uh, repetitive injury of, of looking down at a cutting board for 20 years. I've had, uh, you know, hernias, being on your feet, you know, 14, 16 hours a day. I mean, just I've had my health negatively impacted. I didn't know any better. I didn't take care of myself. I thought I was invincible. My job now is to teach people yep. they're not invincible. Let me help you. None of my mentors, they were all chefs and they were all hard drinking, you know, tough guys too. And, and, you know, they're suffering now too. physical, their physical health. I don't want to be that tough guy. I don't want to portray. I want to, you know, I want to let my team know it's very important to let them know that they're vulnerable to some of these things that could happen to them because of the rigors of being a chef or being a server over time. And so, uh, one of the things, first and foremost, we have a, a program called Ben's Friends. It's a support group that's been created now. It's in five different cities, created by uh, two of my best friends and myself to honor a friend of ours that we lost to addiction. And so we have a support group and we hold meetings. We have one every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. here at Crawford and & Son, and that is for people within our industry, it's industry focused, uh, suffering from alcoholism or addiction mm. when, no matter what, um, uh, uh, no, no matter where they are in their recovery, or even if they're still active, we're yeah. a support group for them and we have resources to get them in the right places. Uh, if they want to change that lifestyle, we're also, so we're challenging the notion that you can't work in this industry uh, and be sober or be clean because you can't. I've done it for 13 years. I'm I'm a better chef than I've ever been, and uh, I'm healthy. And so we're challenging that notion and trying to help people. That's one thing that we're doing. We have <laughs> I have a great friend who's a chiropractor. Uh, not only is he a friend, but he keeps my he keeps me aligned, and I'm big on alignment. Mm-hmm. I believe in it, and he believes in it, and so we offer that. It's not mandatory. It's just an option. Uh, at the restaurant. Once a month, he comes in with his table and he aligns, uh, he'll do neck and and back alignments for uh, front of house and back of house staff because of the very, very bad posture that we practice every day. Mm -hmm. And that can help. Those regular adjustments can help uh, eliminate some of those long-term issues that can occur. Uh, We also have uh, masseuse comes in a massage therapist comes in and uh offers 15 minute massages once a month we do all this on trade by the way um we also have some doctors who dine with us quite often and they will uh do work on trade for um uh, employees that may not have health insurance. So on trade, you're, you're saying of, uh, you you'll barter like free meals for them to come in, or like a that's right. Okay, that's right. Cool. Man, so what, it's something a restaurant can do, even if we can't afford as a small business to pay for everyone's health insurance. 
Yep. You know, what I'm picking up from you, Chef, honestly, and it's so simple, it can be boiled down to, to one word, and that's just care. Uh, and not just that's right. say that you care uh, and put it in your mission statement, but actually to live it every day and to let your actions speak uh, and to really do the things and put these things in place and to, to just be behind it 100%. Yeah, that's right. So simple. Again, so pretty hard. simple. <laughs> Empathy, yeah. care, you know. And it's hard to do uh, those things, And also things, just though. taking, well, taking <laughs> things that I've learned and, and, and saying to my staff, and sometimes I sound maybe like the old guy who says, now, you don't have to cope with stress just with alcohol. There are other ways, you know, so maybe I sound like the old guy to some of them, but most of my staff wants to be the best they can be. And so they're, they're going to make sure that they try to stay healthy. And I want to make sure that I'm teaching them ways to do that. You know, like everything in life, like I like to say there's using and there's abusing and too much of anything is not good. And it is a real issue in this industry. So I, I appreciate you addressing that. Uh, and, you know, just some closing thoughts before we wrap things up uh, on this topic of health. Uh, this is a young man's game, a young woman's game. Uh, you should be setting yourself up if you're in this industry in your 20s is the time for you to learn as much as possible to get the experience to network and you should be by the time you're in your 30s if you've done things right transitioning to a, a role of you know the of mentoring and teaching other people and getting people underneath you because your body will start to fail and give out on you if you go hard it's for 30 true. years uh, you got to set yourself up for success you can't put it all on your your shoulders all the time you you won't be able to do it so no it's a, it's a good point to make, you know, and it's hard to think that way when you're young. Um, but I'm living proof that, that, that can and will happen. And I still work. I still enjoy working in the kitchen. Um, but you know, I don't put in the length of time every day that I used to. Um, some of the young guys choose to be here longer days and okay. But, I mean, uh, but you're right. You, you just can't put enough emphasis on why it's so important to to be somebody with that emotional intelligence. Who cares? Who understands the value of surrounding yourself with other passionate, skilled people and then providing opportunity to them because you will not be able to do it on your own, uh, especially as you get older. And uh, that's just one of the many lessons we learned here at Restaurant Stoppable. So if you guys are listening to this, start being uh, proactive, start making changes because yes. uh, now is the time to start, you know, getting those things into motion. Uh, Chef, thank you so much for coming back on the show, back to back like this. I, I knew you just had so much more great advice to offer, and I wanted to make sure we had the time to go into those extra bits of detail, and you absolutely did. So, anything we didn't discuss up to this point uh, that you were hoping we would discuss before I let you go? No, I think we covered a lot and I appreciate, really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share some of these things with your listeners. And, uh, thank you for making a second episode since we had more, uh, to discuss. <laughs> oh, it was I an really honor. appreciate it. I loved every moment of it. And I, uh, I was just every, every second of this conversation, both conversations was just worth every minute or every second of it. Uh, and we wrap up every episode. We didn't have you do this last time, but we'll have you do it today. Who is one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire or one or two or three people that you can think of, uh, who are just crushing it in this industry, who have knowledge, a wealth of knowledge that they can share with us to make us all just a little bit more unstoppable who do you think of well i'm going to name a front of house person and a back house Go for okay it. yeah so so uh i think you know the chef that's just crushing it is paul kahan in chicago 
I've never worked for him. Some of my people have. I've just followed him and, and obviously admired his work over the years. He, I think he does it right. Um, and he keeps it real. And he, you know, really has some strong values um, that he stay, sticks by. Um, one of my best friends and, and a back of a front of house person um, is Steve Palmer from Indigo Road Group out of Charleston and Atlanta. And He's now in Charlotte and Nashville. Um, and he's coming here to Raleigh. Uh, he's someone who, I mean, you really should probably give him a call and, and listen to some of the things that he has to say, because I still learn from him. And he was the one, by the way, that said, trust the universe, close the door and watch him fly open. Mm. And that was a very difficult thing for me to do. And it was the best thing that I've ever done awesome. in my career. So that, that was, uh, Paul Kahan of One Off Hospitality, correct? That's correct. And I just had uh, Donnie Madia on the show, his business partner, not too long ago. So, oh wow! Hopefully, I got a foot in the door. Maybe Donnie can hook me up. Donnie, if you're listening to this, <clears throat> help me out, brother. Those guys are smart, <laughs> really smart yeah. guys, doing great work, oh, yeah. incredible work. And uh, Steve Palmer, uh, man, I can't wait to get these these names on the show. Hopefully, they do accept the invitation and. Just one more time, thank you so much, Chef Scott Crawford, for taking the time to share your story, to share your knowledge, to make us all just a little bit better. I mean, you're just a great example of what it is to have integrity, and uh, it was an honor to make an example of you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, there is no questioning that you are unstoppable. We'll get there. <laughs> There's another great episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i really trying to go deep, guys. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really trying to pull back layers. And I'm really trying to connect on a, a new level with my guests. Uh, I hope you can tell. I hope that these longer interactions, I guess you could call them, uh, aren't too far away from what you're used to. I personally like it. And we, we spend all this time learning from our guest mentors about the power of just impact and uh, just being present and n- not being transactional, but transformative. And I feel like it takes time. I mean, think about food to do food, right? It takes time and to do relationships, right? To do learning, right? And sometimes it takes time to really connect with people and I don't know how I feel with just trying to rush through and to cram as much knowledge into a one hour episode. Uh, so if my guests are on a roll and we've got good rapport and I feel like if I were to ask them to come back to continue the conversation, you may see me doing one interview in two parts uh, more often. So give me your feedback. Let me know if you like that. I think that might be a good way to you know, keep... Uh, Keep the content coming regularly and also giving it to you in, in doses that are, you know, manageable. So give me your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Eric Catchtori, and Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Also, send me emails regarding who you want to hear from. I'm always looking for the next guest to make an example of. I do read your emails guys i do listen i do try to act on your advice we have some episodes coming up with some uh more listener questions uh so uh yeah if you want your questions answered use those those points of contact i just mentioned them and 
Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. Any and all support over at the support page. Uh, I do take small donations. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash support. Uh, every little bit helps and is much appreciated. But the best way to support the show, guys, the easiest way for you, the way that is most complimentary is by sharing it with a friend. That is the ultimate compliment. So, Please do share this podcast with anybody and everybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the hospitality industry. Okay, I think that's it. Enough for today. Thanks again, Scott Crawford. Amazing guest. I love you guys all. Until next time. Peace out.